Welcome to The Measure of a Fan, a Star Trek podcast in which two Star Trek nerds and a Star Trek noob watch all of Star Trek chronologically. My name is PJ Montgomery, and I am joined as ever by Matt Troy. Hello. And Elliot Red. Hello. So this week, we're going to talk about Fallen Hero, an episode I'm kind of in two minds about, if I'm honest. But before that, I just want to put a plea out to all of our hundreds of listeners, hundreds and hundreds, I'm sure. Millions. Everyone in the world listens to us. That's why we're so successful. LeVar Burton is now hosting some episodes of Jeopardy. Does anyone know where you can watch Jeopardy in the UK? Because I cannot find it, and I really want to see that. Hmm. I want to see it too. Only once, because I don't like game shows. But I'll watch it once. <laughs> yeah, also, the second time you know the answers, so... Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. I wish I'd watched the episode of Eggheads I was on before I went on it. I'll tell you that much for nothing. <laughs> Uh, yes, if anyone would like to find Matt's episode of Eggheads, I'm sure it is on the iPlayer. Oh, God, I didn't I know you were an Eggheads. Yeah. Team Mindfist. <laughs> did Did you win, Matt? No, of course I didn't fucking win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if I'm, know if I'm still allowed to say that. I mean, I should just be encouraging people to watch the show, but fuck them. <laughs> I think it's been long enough that you're out of contract or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm sure it is. They, they, <laughs> I had a really lovely time. I was at BBC Glasgow, and Jeremy Vine was really nice, and you know, the eggheads are as they are, and they can't help it, I'm sure. But yeah, they're, they're fine. <laughs> I went up against CJ Demui, you might know from some oh, really? allegations. I didn't, as, I didn't remember that. Yeah, he, he, he murdered someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he murdered someone. So... Matt took on a murderer. And lost, but I'm still alive, so it's actually won. Yeah, yeah, you came off better than many people. Do you know what? There's a very dorky caveat to this story as well. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years after I was on Eggheads, and CJ beat me in... It was geography. I was literally the only person on our team who knew anything about geography, and the <laughs> the questions were solid for me, not for him. But we, we met again at a quiz, a fundraising quiz for something or other. And he was the quiz master. And he did a special bonus round for a prize. And the, the bonus round was, uh, to the nearest meter, what is a mile in meters? Or to the nearest, like, 10 or 20 meters or something. And I was the only person who got anywhere near it. And the only reason I knew the answer is because a lot of spaceships are about a mile long. <laughs> and they're often expressed in meters, such as the Imperial Star Destroyer. It's about sixteen hundred meters. Yeah, and that's how I beat CJ Demui, and he had to give me a present, and it was a lovely locket or something. It was like a necklace, which I I give to my mum. The wholesome story. There we go. Did Did he remember taking you down previously? He pretended not to, but he knew. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I give it to my mum for Mother's Day as a, as a, as a little sort of uh, little side present. There you go. So the story has a lovely ending. Yeah, and he was a murderer. <laughs> to quantify this, he he admitted in his biography that he he pushed somebody into a canal once and they never got out again. Yeah, which is what a murderer does. Yeah, <laughs> and it, did, it took them a long time to actually. Even though he'd admitted it, it took ages for him to prosecute or something. It was all very weird. It was all very sinister. I, I mean, to be honest with you, I think he was lying. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i giving him the benefit of the doubt there, but I like to tell people he was a murderer because that makes me sound better. <laughs> You're the hero in the story. Yeah, we should probably cut all this out, right? 
<laughs> no, I'm keeping most of it in. Definitely keeping most of it in. We can segue from you being the hero of that story to an episode called Fallen Hero, which is, you know, hero. It's there. That's that's what I've done. That's the link. Yes, you have. <laughs> this episode is a story by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga and Chris Black with a script by Alan Cross and a directed by Patrick Norris. And I feel very much like having watched this episode. Obviously, we'll get into it in detail in a few moments, but the story Berman, Braga and Chris Black gave to Alan Cross and Alan Cross went, well, this is dog shit and just had to do his best. <laughs> this is um, a running theme, right? Yeah. Yeah, because there's the weird thing with this one, though, is I think overall it's a pretty bad episode, but there is stuff I really like about it and potential yeah. for a good episode in there. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's got one of the best newly introduced characters that I've seen in a long time, for sure. Yes, and we will get on to her. But before that, we have the opening scene in which T'Pol basically says to Trip and Captain Archer, Hey, are you fucking enough things? <laughs> We're fucking things up. <laughs> is that what you're looking for? <laughs> yeah, she thinks everyone is horny and they're three percent less efficient because they need to fuck. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm thinking, well, Malcolm probably is fucking things he shouldn't be anyway on the side. <laughs> yeah, like a sock full of bolognese or something. Who knows what he's doing? I don't think anything's going to help his efficiency though. <laughs> <laughs> And Trip, you know, we know Trip's been pregnant, so he's had some action, sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's had more sex than most people on the ship. But yeah, T'Pol does say, look, you know, I think you guys need to fuck. Let's go to Fuck Planet. Yeah, basically. And Fuck Planet is Riser. Riser. Elliot, do you, have you heard of Riser? No, but it's an unfortunate name. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I've never made that association before <laughs> between Riser and Hardons. <laughs> yeah, no, me neither. And wow. thanks, Elliot. Because okay, Elliot, we have to visit this planet several times in the over the course of Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and now you've ruined it for everybody. So, well, is it always consistently the fuck planet? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, good for Star Trek. <laughs> loves it there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Riser's got his own version of Malcolm, except he has a How mop. How you never put that together? That was my instant first thought. <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy who has to jizz mop the place, yeah. <laughs> I think it's because we were introduced to Riser when we were children during season three of The Next Generation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we had more innocent minds. It's like all of the old ladies who are called things like Fanny and Titty and it was, it was fine back in the day, but now they're rude words. <laughs> but yeah, Riser is a planet from the Next Generation era, but I don't really mind them introducing it here because we, you know, we never find out what first contact is with Riser, and it's probably a good thing it got never got referred to in the original series because Kirk would have had a lifetime pass and then yeah. ban. Kirk's penis would have been like a, a, just a smouldering husk. <laughs> is this also the scene though where T'Pol points out that Vulcans do only have sex every once every seven years yeah and I was led to believe that they mated once every seven years but they could have sex whenever they wanted they just only want to do it once every seven years yeah well I thought there was like um, I mean I don't I don't know what how it actually works but I thought that like they they made little Vulcans every every seven years, but they could do mm. it other times. But evidently, I was wrong. I'm I'm sure that the the ponfar, the mating ritual, all of that is supposed to be a very private thing that Vulcans don't talk about with other races. And Topol's is out here going, "I fuck every seven years." <laughs> uh, I mean, if you live really long, like Vulcans seem to do, which we've established in this episode, and we'll come on to in a bit, maybe. Maybe it sort of helps to ration it a bit, you know? Do we we know some good mathematicians. Can we get somebody out there to find out how how many times an average a Vulcan has sex in their life? And then, because how long do they live for? How long is a, a, an old Vulcan? Like 200 years? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hang on. I'm going to... 
I, I'm, I'm sure I can do maths. I'm does ga- I can that do maths. actually imply a child every seven years? Mm, maybe it doesn't work every time. Mm. I mean, I, I, the, the maths is not hard. I just didn't want to have to do it myself. Well, I'm, I'm doing it now. I've got the calculator up on my phone. Oops. You get the denominator. Because, yeah, they didn't actually divulge. They divulged that, well, while you're doing the maths then, I guess they get introduced to, while they're going down to the planet, they get told that they have to take this ambassador lady somewhere. And it's like an emergency mission thing that they have to do. I think Vulcans have sex roughly 26 to 27 times, depending on when they come of age. You might have a late blooming Vulcan as well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go with about 26 times in a, in, in a Vulcan lifetime. Well, that's nice for most humans then, isn't it? They get to do sex a bit more than Vulcans do. But saying that's like average 50% success rate for con- for actual like making a kid, that's like, what, 15 kids? But that never seems to be how it plays out. They all have like two or three kids. So yeah. I, I wonder if there's there's an age where it just stops as well. Or like, <laughs> oh yeah, like you know, you hit like 120 and nobody wants to take part in the ritual because it looks gross. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I, I, there's a bit of. Um, I think it's. I, I don't think it's like strict canon. Maybe it's Fanon or uh, Steve Bannon. I don't. I don't know how it fits in. But um, there is a whole thing that apparently, like human, the reason that in later Trek, where you know everybody's integrated into a big federation, there's a reason why humans have most of the ships and most of the stuff, and that is that most alien races have kind of struggle to 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 reproduce at the same level as people do so like <laughs> i think there's like a thing like andorians have like a third sex or um like your vulcans can only reproduce once every seven years but humans are like obviously just banging the crap out of each other and other things as well as we obviously later learn <laughs> and that's why they're so prevalent over all of the other species so humans are the rabbits of the Federation. Yeah, yeah, they're like the fuck bunnies of the Federation. <laughs> Vulcans are logical, Andorians are violent, um, Talarites are belligerent, and humans are fuck bunnies. <laughs> they're vermin. Anyway, that's our teaser. <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> and then we open after the credits with... Uh, trip walking onto the bridge wearing a shirt I'm sure I've seen you wear, Matt. I mean, I've literally got, like, in my life, worn three Hawaiian shirts, and I haven't worn them in a in a decade, but it persists <laughs> that I wore them <laughs> at one time. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think I have a shirt like that, unfortunately. Oh, well, that's probably a good thing, because even T'Pol says, yeah, you're not going to get any action on Riser. <laughs> How does she know? Because she's an expert on is, Riser? Is it on the Vulcan database? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, she should just shut up. Like She obviously knows less than everybody else. I just kind of assume that Vulcans are all a little bit Sherlock Holmesy and just kind of <laughs> store information. <laughs> like, according to my calculations, T'Pol's only had sex potentially at ten times, I think, maybe in her life. <laughs> If she's observed uh, one fire every time. What a phrase to start the sentence with, according to my calculations. <laughs> <laughs> this this is the episode where we become what people imagine a Star Trek podcast <laughs> is going to be like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, let's hope this isn't anyone's first episode. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be someone's. <laughs> oh, it doesn't help that this week my uh, my login name is uh, Thought on Vulcan. <laughs> but the people can't see that, Matt. That's... I know it's a secret thing that nobody knows. That every single episode, I have a, an unusual login name that I come in with, <laughs> and it's like my thing. That that is Matt's thing. Yeah. We'll, we'll just call you Thought for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Doctor Thought to but... you. <laughs> But Archer discusses his plans for sure leave, and I tuned out a bit, I think. He just says he's going to stay up on the ship and do paperwork or something, and even T'Pol is like, dude, get a life. Yeah, I, I think, like, I kind of like that T'Pol just wants everyone on, off the ship. I think she, she doesn't want him there. Like, she wants, like, to just kick back, make herself a massive salad, and put on, like, a <laughs> copy of her favourite film, like, seven years later or something, you know? Like, 
she's not happy about him being there. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where Admiral Forrest calls and says, oh, hey, uh, there's a Vulcan ambassador on the planet Mazar, and her name is Valar, and we need you to go get her. And that's all I'm telling you. You can't go to the fuck planet. Yeah. Do you ever notice that this, this has kind of dawned on me, this episode, that Admiral Forrest's like, uniform always makes me think like, We've caught him on his way to his job at a car park kiosk. Like, <laughs> it's got like a weird, like, it looks like that coat that he wears is like, just to keep off a light rain. It, it doesn't look like a <laughs> uniform. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, the, the Admiral uniform does look even more, you know, overall than the actual ship uniforms. I don't know if that's the cut of it as well or the colours, but... He's got a tie on underneath it. Yeah. He's like my grandfather going to the allotment or something, you know? <laughs> but T'Pol is very excited about this ambassador coming because she's kind of a hero of hers. Hoshi offers to give up her quarters to the ambassador. And can I just say, we've seen quarters on the Enterprise before. Is it me or does Hoshi, for an ensign, have fucking massive quarters? Yeah. And and I made a note as well, like, why is there not a spare room for this? Like, Yeah. <laughs> There should be a yeah. room for this. Yeah, surely they knew there were going to be dignitaries on board at some point. We know yeah. there's an empty room because that time traveller guy disappeared and his room is empty. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's, that's where your Hoshi was staying. Have you noticed as well that when um, a shore leave episode has two potential paths that it can follow, so it's like either um, it ends with a total disaster on the shore leave or the shore leave is cut short before it can happen like it's literally the only two things that ever happen on surely like either they get fucking attacked by the rabbit from alice in wonderland or they just don't <laughs> get the shore leave yeah that's pretty much it or shore leave is fine but then they bring something back from shore leave that is not fine yeah that 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 inc- i include that in the, the shore leave was disaster <laughs> category Although I feel like Enterprise manages to do both over the next few episodes, because Elliot, trying to get to Riser, is Enterprise's new story arc. It's going to go on for a couple of episodes. Okay. Them going, hey, let's go to Riser. Oh, something's come up. That is literally going to happen a few times. There's only like two or three episodes left in the series, right? Three or four, maybe? Yep. Yep. And yet. (laughs) All right, then. Yeah, so like... The next two episodes are like the galactic equivalent of driving to Clacton on sea <laughs> with your family when you're a kid. You know, it's. But it's you keep getting sidetracked because someone's shat themselves or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like that, except your dad just can't, like, every time he sees something happening by the roadside, has to stop and get out and <laughs> cause an issue. And then you've ended up picking up a hitchhiker and he's going somewhere else. And Yeah, and he's made of slime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, Maserites, they fall, um, they're the aliens that they've gone to visit, fall firmly into the category of shady aliens from the offset. Yeah, so the Enterprise arrives, they hail the Maserite High Council, and they go, here's the ambassador, she's already on her way, we're expelling her because she's been a bitch, and you need to leave now, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, the other thing that, that you know is because they're meeting a Vulcan, and it's not the Vulcan is coming to meet them, you know it's going to be a party Vulcan as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, which we get straight away because Ambassador Valar arrives on the ship, and she shakes Archer's hand. Yeah. And while she's doing it, any number of bird cages too. <laughs> she may even like carbonated water. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking carbonated water right now. Matt's <laughs> a party Vulcan. I am. <laughs> so uh, Valar is played by Fionnula Flanagan, uh, an Irish actress who's been on Star Trek a couple of times, uh, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. But I'm going to say now... I think this is my favourite of the characters she's played. Who else does she play? She plays Data's mum on Next Gen. Oh. And someone involved with a a trial that Dax is put on in Deep Space Nine. Oh. I thought I'd seen her before, but I thought she might have been a Bajoran. 
Not that I recall, although I may have been missing a couple of other roles out. She's also a, a voice actress for the films of Cartoon Saloon. Uh, I highly recommend everyone check them out. Those are brilliant, brilliant films, and she's great in them. Oh, cool. Yeah, she was very cool. I also love in this bit um, where uh, they're all kind of meeting up, DePaul's just like, without dropping a hat, like Hoshi, who she was, you know, commending last episode about being, you know, living up to her potential or whatever. Saying last episode, last episode we saw, not last episode everybody else listened to. Mm. <laughs> Fairly recently, she was um, she was going on about Hoshi being awesome. And then uh, this one, she's like, oh, yeah, she stinks, of course. Yeah, the room stinks. Pissed, doesn't it? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Hoshi stinks. Yeah. So... So Paul's been saying that the ambassador's going to want to keep to herself, and straight away she's like, "Hey, I want to have dinner with you." And so she does. She joins to Paul and Arthur and Trip for dinner, and asks if she can meet Hoshi to say thank you for the quarters, and then attempts a joke. Oh yeah, doesn't she say something about like, "Don't ask a lady your age" or something? Yeah, Trip asks her how old she is, and she says, "That's very rude." Ha ha! I am attempting a joke. I'm a fun Vulcan. Everyone's like. Shit. A perfect example of Enterprise's consistency at attempting dialogue and just never quite hitting it because he doesn't ask her her age. He asks her how long she's been working in politics or something, and that's not asking her her age. Yeah, it's like when um, you ask someone, uh, you know, how are you, and they go, "It goes," and you're like, "No, you actually say that." I say, "How's it going?" You say, "It goes." <laughs> Like I get that they wanted the Vulcan to make an attempt at humor and say that was my attempt at humor. That's fine, but then just have Trip say so. How old the Vulcans live? Get that topic in there. Don't just shimmy it there via switching the track in the middle of a conversation. Yeah, well, yeah. that's it. She says that she was involved in a treaty from before human first contact with the Vulcans, which is a hundred years prior to this. So we know she's old. Everyone knows she's old, yeah. and then she jokes about it because. Hilarity, but she also says that oh yeah, everything the um, the alien dudes accused me of the abuse of my position, the criminal misconduct, I might be guilty. What doesn't then like to Paul say like Vulcans don't commit crimes? Yeah, and they absolutely do. Yeah, because we've seen like three crimes already this series that they've committed. One of them was like <laughs> mind assault, and they had a war crime. There's a they had a listening post on a on a peaceful planet. Like that's definitely a crime. Yeah, just total spies. <laughs> yeah. After dinner, Topol then takes Ambassador Valar back to her quarters, and Valar says, "Hey, you're disappointed in me," and that's the end of that scene. I mean, it's refreshing to see a Vulcan that you know that has essentially the correct view, and you know, I can't remember what they say specifically, but they mention emotions. Uh, human emotions or something and then the ambassador just goes oh you mean like ours but you know we hide them <laughs> it's yeah and makes the connection that they are not so different from human herself yeah which is true yeah but T'Pol doesn't seem to like yeah not T'Pol I don't know <laughs> maybe we can't trust her maybe they're all maybe Archer's right <laughs> Yeah. Well, I've got a point about that later on, actually. I think we, we now get a scene between T'Pol and Archer, don't we, where they talk about how the evening's gone and T'Pol says, I'm I'm uncomfortable with what's happening and why she's returning to Vulcan. And I think at this point, Archer says, I don't pretend to understand Vulcans. I never have. I've mm -hmm. never tried. I don't want to try. I hate you. Does, I wouldn't care to try. Don't make me try. I'm not going to try. Why should I understand an alien race? I'm an explorer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Archer does try and because he, he's getting the feeling here from T'Pol that Valar was a hero and T'Pol you know never meet your heroes is that whole thing and Archer says hey I know what that's like there's a specific example I'm going to tell you but I can't remember it so oh yeah what happened in that bit <laughs> I don't genuinely don't remember <laughs> It felt like that he was going to talk about the time he was going to see Mr. T at the mall or something, but he just kind of peters out, doesn't it? Hey, he could have gone, I met Zeph from Cochrane, and then he shot a kid in front of me, so... <laughs> He's like, don't tell anyone. <laughs> he just like rips the kid's arm off and walks away eating it. 
<laughs> shit. I was not expecting this. <laughs> He's nicer when they're afraid. <laughs> but he invented warp drive, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got they got he got mankind out of a spot, so they, they tend to blind eye to it. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> I forgot up until you said that that warp drive played a factor in this episode. Oh it did, yeah. <laughs> I mean yeah. We'll uh, we'll get to that, but for the moment, a Maserite ship catches up with the Enterprise, hails them, and says, "Oh, hey, actually, we want uh, Ambassador Valar back because we need to question us some more." And Archer says, "Well, I've got to verify that with Starfleet Command," and then the ship fires on the Enterprise. Oh yeah, and then one of my favourite lines that popped up time and time again in Enterprise, which I, f- <laughs> I just don't understand. Somebody shouts, "Hull plating has gone offline." And you're like, what does that mean? How can the hull plating go offline? It's hull plating. It's metal attached to the outside of the ship. If it goes offline, it's a real big problem. <laughs> offline. <laughs> As if it's just like a retractable shell that just... <laughs> that would be cool, but it's not. And then doesn't Malcolm request to use torpedoes or Archer say to use torpedoes? And we know that the torpedoes are not going to do anything because they never do. Yeah, it's like Malcolm say, oh, please let me fire my torpedoes. And Archer <laughs> doesn't want to. He's like, fine. Malcolm does it. And then they go, oh, because we're at warp, my torpedoes didn't work, sir. <laughs> I feel impotent. <laughs> yeah. So Archer says, well, drop out of warp and fire the fucking phasers. Phase cannons, yeah. Patrick. You can't call them phasers, remember it's- Totally different thing. Hold on a sec. Is this when when Malcolm says to him, oh, the thing didn't work because we were warp, and Archer says back to him, what do you mean it doesn't thing when we were warp? As if it's not something a captain should already probably know. But Yeah. <laughs> One, yes. And two, it's like, well, I have just explained it, sir. Yeah, why, why the fuck doesn't he know that very basic fact that I know? <laughs> 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 also, I, I just want to point out in, in this, uh, this is a bit of a, a dorky thing that I, I noticed, but th- he said to fire the rear-facing phase cannon, because we previously heard that they've got three of them on the ship, and obviously uh, Tucker was supposed to make more, but he, the implication here is that they are, that this is the rear-facing one that they've installed so far, and the others are not, from what he was saying. And weirdly, this is, you know, like I said, really nerdy, it's like underneath on one of the struts, so it's asymmetrically placed. So they've got two at the front, and one, I think, on the right-hand side of the back. So that was something I spotted there in this episode. <laughs> oh, well, they're fucked if an enemy comes from the left rear then, aren't they? I think it just turn it and face the other way. <laughs> <laughs> but having damaged the Maserite ship quite badly, they go back to warp to run away and to pull... No, not to Paul. Archer. I don't know how I got those two confused. Ar- Archer accuses to Paul of knowing what's going on, but then instead he. Uh... Okay, so two things happen here. First of all, there is a quick conversation between Trip and Malcolm, where Trip just fucking calls Malcolm out and goes, "You like getting shot at?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but doesn't he doesn't he say something like, I, "I need to do something on this ship"? Commander, beyond cleaning poo off the shuttles or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, verbatim, yeah. Yeah. But then Archer invites the ambassador to his quarters to have a conversation, and the scene starts with Archer playing with Porthos, and I'm wondering how many takes of that did Scott Bakula ask for? Because if it were me, I'd have asked for yeah. a lot. Oh, before we go on to talking about this, Travis has also had two things to do this episode as well. Have you noticed? Oh, yes. And he's about to have like two or three other things to do. It's not quite a storyline, but at least he's doing something. I missed every <laughs> single thing. It was mostly accelerating, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> yeah. He'll basically saying, but we can't go that fast. Go that fast. We'll go uh, that fast. Yep. No, that, that, now that you said that, that comes back. He did say that kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, Archer says to the ambassador, you know, you've got to give me more here. I'm angry at Vulcans because I haven't learned a thing in a whole season, which this episode says has been 10 months so far, but I'm still really angry. Still furious, despite the fact that Vulcan has saved his life many times over. And yeah. Not just her as well, like her mates. Like her Vulcan chums have turned up and, and, and solved their problems for them. 
Well, not just that, the amount of other instances where he's encountered, you know, species encountering other species and having to integrate. And, you know, he encountered a planet where there's two different species, like cohabitating, cohabiting, whatever, living on the same planet. Like, <laughs> he's, he's encountered many different instances where race comes into the, 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 like, the mission that he's doing over the last 10 months and gotten over his prejudice prejudices and various other things. And it, it's, it hasn't learned any lessons from any of his experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he is quite entrenched in his opinion on Vulcans. He's really got a problem with them, hasn't he? He's got he many problems. And, to Paul says to Villar, you know, you, we've got to earn humanity's trust, but it's like, well, you're not doing a very good job of it at the moment. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, humanity could be a little more tolerant. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially on an individual case by case basis. Like, you know, you can hate on the Vulcan High Command, but stop, like, you know, treating every single Vulcan like they're part of the Vulcan High Command, especially when you've seen more than enough Vulcans to know that they're not all like the. The guy who only drinks water. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But Valar does not confide in Archer, but she does tell T'Pol what's going on. And then T'Pol goes to Archer and says, look, I can't tell you because it's too early in the script yet for me to do that. But (laughs) we do have to get her back to the Vulcan ship we're supposed to rendezvous with. The ambassador and I spent the last two hours talking. She's even more remarkable than her reputation suggests. I don't doubt that, but it doesn't affect my decision. I believe it should. She's not guilty of the crime she's been accused of. She told you that? The charges were fabricated to get her off Mazar and divert attention from her actual mission. Which is? She can't reveal that. But she's convinced me that it's critical. We help her accomplish it. I'm sorry to Paul. I'm going to need more than that. She also told me that if we return her to Mazar, she'll be killed. By who? She wouldn't tell me. But you believed her? Yes. Why? I can't accept that she'd sacrifice a lifetime of accomplishments with an act of criminal misconduct. It happens all the time. Not to her. We must take her to the Sharon. You're asking me to put the lives of everyone on board in jeopardy based on your talking to this woman for a couple of hours. And again, this is entirely just plot device. There's literally no reason why she can't say. Yeah, so Archer's basically at this point, because the Mazarite ships are more powerful than the Enterprise. He said, look, we're going to go back to Mazar and just turn her over. And T'Pol says, no, she'll die. Don't. I've never asked you for anything. So just do this one thing for me. And Archer's like, no, I can't remember you. All right, fine. Yeah. And then it's like a, a race, isn't there? Like a chase. Yeah. So the Enterprise goes up to warp 4.9. It's a warp 5 engine. And they do say this, warp 5 engine, but we don't go to warp 5 because Technically, it's really a warp four point five engine. Yeah, it is, isn't it? This is this is again another thing that consistently happens through Star Trek. They they have a warp drive that goes up to a certain speed, but like going at that speed invariably like causes the ship to like tear itself apart or something, you know. So like, if in a car, like you wouldn't say that like, this car is like one hundred and fifty miles per hour. Like it could theoretically do that, but you're gonna say, oh yeah, it can do like. Not to a hundred in X number of seconds or whatever. I I don't know why they kind of put this lie on. Like, what if somebody's like, "You got to warp five ship. You could be here in four days." And like, actually, we're going to warp four point six, which means we won't be there for sixteen days because that's the way that warp works. Actually, coming onto that as well, <laughs> I don't know if anybody has anything else to say about this subject, but I've got a point nope. coming up. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real classic Star Trek blunder. It's, it's even a blunder. It's just like a bit of ignorance. They treat warp 4.8 and warp 4.9 as the difference between like 90 and 95 miles an hour but warp drive like increases exponentially 
So it's not like, ooh, if they're, if they're going suddenly at warp 4.9 behind you, they're overtaking you. I'm going to get a warp scale calculator up online because I know there is one. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> you, you've actually already had this run. <laughs> this specific run about warp calculation. <laughs> right. So I'm going to look at warp 4.8. So that is, and we're going to look at the old scale. And we're going to say across like five light years, right? I'm going to calculate this. I want to find the speed. And while he's doing that, like this is my first instance of seeing anything warp related in the show. So the first time it was mentioned, I started paying a little bit more attention. I was like, oh, is there going to be some warp bullshit? And and yeah, funnily enough, there was. The warp calculator doesn't work. <laughs> it's because you're going too fast. <laughs> I'm going to do it on my phone. Where I've seen it work before. Tell <laughs> <Without> anyone. <laughs> So, right, if I was going then, let's say, Warp 4.5, right? Mm-hmm. So in the original original series Warp Factor, obviously that's different. So that's 91 times the speed of light. So if I wanted Pretty to... Pretty fast. Yeah, like the, the time that it took to get somewhere. So it would take 20 days to get five light years. But then, like, Warp 4.6, like, it's like 97.3 times the speed of light. So then that's going, oh, I've broken it now. But anyway, it's exponential and it's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but your version does rather take the fun out of chase scenes in Star Trek. Just wish that it didn't have to be exponential. Like they could have just had, you know, a thing that just knocked up a light light year or so every every time they said it. (laughs) The thing is that I know... It's like when you, your mom tells you to wear clean pants just in case you get run over by a car. And you'd be like, no one's going no to see my pants. But I'd be like, but I'll know. See, <laughs> the problem is that you're applying the same logic that every nerd tries to. Like in Dragon Ball Z, the, there's 10 series of that show. But by series two, it got to the point where they were like, each punch is so powerful that a universe could be destroyed with each one. And then for the next eight series, you're going, hang on, how is that slap not erasing existence <laughs> like <sighs> i mean just don't mention the speed what, what are you the percentage we're doing warp 68 percent. i mean you wouldn't say it like that but okay, I'm, I would. I'm done all right <laughs> I've, said my part. I've been angry about warp speed i won't be angry about it again until next time it happens yes you will the thing I'm is would you angry. prefer it if they were just saying like you go go to gear five, give it did you stall? Fuck's sake. <laughs> clutch, clutch. <laughs> Essentially the problem is that this is trying to make like a straight line race interesting. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. Just, again, it is it's just the techno babble of it all. It's just I guess it is purely relying on the techno babble alone to create a story, I guess, because they're not going to be able to incorporate, as you say, anything else other than just a straight line chase, like take them into an asteroid field or hide around the back of a moon or something. But they didn't want yeah. to do anything for the show visually, so they just used techno babble. Exactly. You wouldn't catch the people on Battlestar Galactica doing that. <laughs> no, but they would have angels and, and God involved. Yeah. I, I mean, we've, we've talked about this before, and I. I do sincerely believe it's not actually God, but some kind of computer technology brain that exists in hyperspace. That's besides the point. Anyway, these fucking aliens. <laughs> so Ambassador Valar comes onto the bridge and says, oh, hey, are they faster than us? And Archer says, well, I don't fucking know. So finally, she says to Archer, I'm an undercover agent and I'm investigating crimes. And that's what these guys are. Crimes. Criminals, I mean. Because crimes aren't people. <laughs> Basically, the, the, the Maserites chasing them are not from the High Council. They're like the Maserite Mafia who've put themselves into the High Council and Ambassador Valar investigated and then gets kicked off the planet using fake crimes so she can report back to Vulcan and somehow then fix the planet. Some shit like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of bullshit. And Archer says, oh, well, then, in that case, hmm. And uh, he... she. He says, we'll, uh, we'll get you to the, the ship. And she says, well, that's not the most logical course of action. And Archer says, we don't always take the logical course of action, or even the half-smart one. Or, look, we're really dumb and sometimes lucky. 
It's basically the the Max Powers uh, thing from uh, from The Simpsons, isn't it? <laughs> the right way, the wrong way, and the Max Powers way, which is the wrong way but slightly faster. <laughs> that, that sounds like Archer. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> doesn't Doctor Flox have a great line coming up as well? Yes, in a moment. Uh, so first of all, the Enterprise goes to warp five, but then the engine goes on fire, so they have to drop out of warp. <laughs> I love how it results in fire. <laughs> it just It's not even the actual central engine. It's another bit of engineering off to the side just goes on fire. <laughs> and the guy, they have to get that guy in with a fire extinguisher to show that it's under control. But he doesn't get it <laughs> under control. It just seems to carry on burning after he's had the fire extinguisher in it. He's <laughs> probably using the wrong type. Yeah, he needs like the halon one or something. Yeah. All the time while this has been going on, the Enterprise has been trying to send a message to a Vulcan ship to say, can you come to us, please, because we're being chased. Hoshi thinks she gets one through now, but they need to buy some time. So, they send Valar down to sickbay. The Enterprise has to drop out a warp, and then the Maserites board the Enterprise, go to sickbay, and just shoot the shit out of the medical tube that uh, Ambassador Valar is supposedly within. Oh, yeah. And Flox goes, no! Yeah, Flox is a good actor. Yeah, Floxy has like two or three things to do in this episode, and they're all really good. There's that bit where he goes, I will not! And you're like, yes, Flox. You act. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you pretend there's a person in that tube, Flox. <laughs> but then after they've opened fire on the chamber, they think they've killed the ambassador, the Vulcan ship arrives, and that just takes out the Maserite ships. And yeah. then Ambassador Valar walks in and goes, Ha-ha, I wasn't in the tube, I'm still alive, you going down. Yeah, he was not happy about it. That was it, that weird, like, grey wings alien guy. You know, with the... Oh, what, the Reed Richards haircut, dude. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think I want to rewind a sec because there's a scene where the scene where Topol basically not begs but half begs, half asks Archer, "Can help us take the ambassador back?" I'm asking you. Um, yeah, that's one of the most emotional we've ever seen Topol in the show in that scene, and I think that the actress's name is it late Jaylene. What's Jolene Blaylock. Jolene Blaylock. She did really well in that scene, I think. Um, but on the other hand, Archer and Bacula combined as one entity didn't. They, I don't think they understood the direction of that scene, or perhaps they were given <laughs> the wrong direction of that scene. Because when Topol asks something of him, it's not quite the final line where she asks for them to take the ambassador back, but she's clearly making an emotional demand of her captain. And Archer kind of turns away from her and says something a little bit sassy and turns back to her with a smirk and a smile on his face as she is nearly in tears. Yeah. Like, it's almost as if she's like, please, we have to help the ambassador get back to Vulcan. And then he like looks away and goes, no, DePaul, you're not having any sweets. Yeah, quite literally. He, it, it, it felt like they were in two completely separate scenes. Yeah, like, I, I hadn't noticed it until you mentioned it, but you're, you're absolutely right. It yeah, was weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, the the episode itself is basically over now. Valar says to the the Maserites, "Hey, this is going to go in my testimony too that you you know shot this ship," and they go, "Oh, we'll leave then," and then. Ambassador Valar leaves, shakes Archer's hand again, says to T'Pol, live long and prosper. So canonically, mm. that's our first encounter with that. Yeah, I caught that. And that's the end. Oh, but there's a bit where, as well, where she says, oh, like, you two are super close, but also you're, you're friends. And I just think that T'Pol was like, he's so racist. Like, he's such a prick to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did kind of go, where did you get that from? <laughs> I they. Apart from a little bit of motorboating, there has been no friendship really established. We need to talk about what you think friendship is, Elliot. (laughs) (laughs) Is that not what friends do? (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, there's a massive... But the thing is that one of the biggest problems of this episode is... And obviously we know what is going to, to come, but... well which actually is the big problem in this episode, is the B-plot about everyone being horny remains unresolved. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> oh, I assumed that was gone. I didn't think no. <laughs> of all things to carry on with <laughs> that they could have carried on with in previous episodes. <laughs> them freaking know. spider alien ghost guy from the second episode that hung people upside down. Carry on with that. Why the sex planet? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, why the sex planet, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's how we're going to go to the end of the show, and the end of the first series. Everybody is horny. How did the show get a second series? Everyone everyone needs to know. Because it was Star Trek, and there was enough goodwill to keep, keep... Though, I will say, the plan was for seven seasons, as had been the case with the previous three shows, and it did not make that. So, you know, there was... There were diminishing returns. That's true. And there are interesting ways of getting to a sex planet, but I don't think we're going to see that. <laughs> well, no. No. Here's, here's my thing with this episode. I like some of the ideas, but I think they just completely bottle it. I think it would have been much more interesting if... I don't give a shit about the Mazarites and their, you know, this... this organized crime infiltrating government thing do not give a shit about that it would have been more interesting if ambassador Valar had committed crimes and had to be kicked off the planet because of that and then one it's it's more interesting for her character two it means we could have had a rogue vulcan element without having to have the really creepy episode from a few weeks ago yeah that they're all really good points that could go into our bank of how this show could be better Mm. Um, which I, I wish I'd been thinking about because I can't be bothered to go back and, and, and listen to all of the episodes where we came up with better plots. <laughs> I mean, honestly, a lot of them are individual replots for the episode that we just reviewed. So it's not like you could really rehash the entire series as a whole. It would be redoing each episode individually to make it better. <laughs> I mean, we'd, we'd cut a few, obviously, like the stupid oh, yeah. young people one. And the stupid hologram people one. There, there are so many much better ways of doing that. Millions of dollars were spent putting this show from paper to screen. And it doesn't look like anybody read a script a second time. No, I totally agree with that. And it, it shows because your pitch for Planet of Twilight has stuck in my head far longer than any Enterprise episode that we've watched. <laughs> <laughs> But that's it with this one. It's called Fallen Hero, and then it just turns out, oh, actually, she's fine. And no, actually, have to Paul have a hero who falls. There's an interesting story there. Yeah. But no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this stupid. Uh, the, uh, I just didn't care about the Maserites. Did not give a shit. I think part of the problem that they have is they're very frightened to do things with the legacy aliens. Not so much with the Andorians, because like nobody gives a shit. Like you know, most people probably don't even know that they exist. But um, the Vulcans, the Klingons, they just seem quite sort of like they want to hold back on everything. Like that, that's their ace in the, in, the, in the hole. Like that's what they're kind of, oh, we'll come back. We're going to come back to this. And you're like, yeah, I know you're going to come back to it. But like do something now, like set it up. Yeah, this, I totally, this show feels like it's so much just a skeletal formula of what Star, of what they think Star Trek no, what you said it before, I think, at some point, of what people of what they thought people wanted Star Trek to be. Yes. Like it's just and there's nothing there's no meat to it at all. It's just skeletal bones of the formula of what they thought people wanted Star Trek to be. And there is no extras, no adventurers ideas, nothing special. It's just bland porridge. Yeah. Put some salt in that porridge. <laughs> I bet Malcolm likes his porridge unseasoned. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Sure, I'm bored of Malcolm asking about torpedoes now. Can they give him a new weapon? They will. Don't worry. New weapons are coming. I thought they made a new weapon. They, they destroyed a fucking planet accidentally with a giant laser. What happened to that thing? That They used that this episode. They destroyed yeah, a mountain. Yeah, the face cannon. Yeah. But the Maserite chips are made of stronger material than a mountain. Also, again, another nerdy point. Did you get a good look at those Maserite ships, Patrick? Uh, 
Yeah, but it was like three or four days ago now, and, and I can't remember. They're basically the middle top bit of a Romulan warbird painted yellow. Oh, yes, yes, they are. Yeah. Oh. So uh, I think this is my job, so I thought I would bring it in there. It's all right. We're not going to see the Maserites again, and we shouldn't see the Romulans for a long time. But, you know, Enterprise going to Enterprise. <laughs> the shape of things to come. I mean, do we have anything else we want to say about Fallen Hero, or are we all just tired and want to go to bed? I think Elliot has really hit the nail on the head. Yeah, like I mean, you have to, well, I think we all have, is that Enterprise just does not know how to raise the stakes. It it sort of it wants everyone to be really cozy. And I know Star Trek is a cozy show, and it always has been. Like, even Deep Space Nine was a relatively cozy show for one with such a dark plot arc. But yeah, Enterprise really has let the shit roll down the hill, hasn't it, this first series? And then Malcolm's chased it. Yes, and cleaned it up, because that's his job. So two more episodes left of this Godforsaken series? Uh, four. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We need yeah. a better warp engine. <laughs> yeah, so our next episode is Desert Crossing. Um, <laughs> any Desert, anything? Desert Crossing. Okay, well... As far as I'm aware, we haven't been to any like desert planets or anything like that yet, have we? And that I'm, if I remember rightly, that's quite a staple of the original series, isn't it? Or they all go to a yeah. desert planet and rocky yeah, areas yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah, because it was easier to make polystyrene rocks in the 60s than any other landscape. Well, then I hope that they do themselves justice, but I doubt they will. <laughs> I mean, you could have said that in our first episode. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked this one up actually, and uh, I, I can vaguely remember not enjoying it, but um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it'll be fine, right? I mean, look, we were all dreading the prison camp episode, and that turned out to be a high point of the series. So yeah. maybe. <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we do hope you have enjoyed our pain. If you want to follow us on social media, links to all of our presence is are in the description of the episode. You can just click on those, give us a follow. If you'd like to rate and review the show, if you've enjoyed our ramblings, then we would hugely appreciate that. It does genuinely help the show out as well. Do subscribe, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell whoever you like. I don't really care anymore. And we'll speak to you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. It's tall. <laughs>